Kenny, glad to have you on the show, man. Yes, sir. We just uh, we just wrapped a week in Maui, yep. helping with uh, with the Maui basketball. And uh, man, watching you out there with the kids has been uh, inspiration. Oh, yeah, you. it's uh, you know we I work a lot with kids, and you mm -hmm. just have you have an amazing way, kind of working with them, and obviously your uh, your story, mm -hmm. which uh, I'm excited to share with with our with our viewers. But uh, also your amazing basketball ability. I think that's something we got to talk about and how God has worked in that journey. Welcome to the Playing for Eternity podcast, working together to put God first in our game. You know, I know your testimony is, is powerful, um, but I think getting into that, I think we got to go back kind of a little bit to you as a youth because okay. I think that has a big a big part of, of kind of how you turned your life around you want to share a little of that with us yeah definitely um, I mean growing up I, I let everybody know man I grew up in a home where both of my parents used drugs and alcohol uh, my house was that party house every Friday and Saturday night man that's you know my parents had my mom was one of five sisters you know so she had she had all five beautiful girls there and my dad with all his friends and you know uncles and Everybody was there, and me as a young kid, I just, you know, I wanted to be a part of that scene. I was always looking to be, you know, part of the, 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 the party, and they used to take all the kids, and they'd throw us all in the back room, put a movie on and whatnot, and I just remember one time sneaking out of that room and peeking down the hallway, making sure that my parents weren't around, and I seen my uncle and um, two of my dad's friends sitting there drinking, and I remember picking up one of the beers and just taking a big swig of it, and uh, they, you know, ruffled my hair up and start laughing. They're picking me up. And just the, the, the message that I got from them that day uh, was one of approval. It wasn't like, hey, don't do that. You know, it was more so, uh, you know, this is how you act if you want to be accepted into this, you know, crowd. And, you know, that, that approval of drinking, it just kind of stuck with me. Um, by the time I was 11 years old, man, I started smoking weed for the first time. And uh, by 13, I was selling drugs, and by 15, I had moved from marijuana to cocaine to methamphetamines, and that's really where my life took a turn for the worse. So wow. all those all those seeds that were planted at a young age, you know, with my watching my father, and then also you know extended family, cousins, and then the environment that I grew up in. I grew up in West Phoenix, uh, the Maryville district, which was the highest drugs, you know, gangs, murder, you know, highest rates at that time, mm -hmm. and so the environment had impacted me as well. Uh, but also the music and the movies that, you know, I loved to watch and looked up to, uh, you know, Boys in the Hood, Menace mm -hmm. to Society, some classics like that, uh, that idolized that gang lifestyle and hood mentality. Uh, but also the music. I love music and would go to sleep every single night, you know, with headphones on. And, you know, you're listening to hip hop music and artists that are glorifying that lifestyle as well. So all those seeds that were being planted was just that mixture of cultivating uh, that type of person that I was to become. Man, was sports a part of your life at that time when you were young, or was it? Yeah, sports was a big part of my life. Um, you know, like a lot of coaches said this week, man, if it wasn't for basketball, you know, if it wasn't for the sports, yeah. um, you know, definitely that's the same case for me. Uh, my oldest cousin, he was involved with gangs, and he had a big influence around, you know, with our city and uh, his friends and, and the gang that he was kind of affiliated and connected with, and I wanted to be a part of that family. I wanted to be accepted in, you know, and because of my athletic ability, I remember him telling me, like, you don't belong out here, you know, that you have, you have the talent, you have 
um, a purpose for your life to go out and do something greater, something better. Yeah. And, um, you know, so if it wasn't for sports, I definitely would have been all in involved with that, you know, street life. And um, I played uh, baseball, basketball, football, all as a kid, but the main thing I, I kind of gravitated towards was uh, tackle football. Really? Yeah, so at five years old, my dad put me in tackle football, and uh, I played that till I was about 13. Nice. Yeah, I was just, you know, that contact, yeah, you know, I yeah. played uh, I played nose guard and middle linebacker on defense, okay. so those are the main ones, getting yeah. in, getting the action, stacking the quarterback and stopping the running and whatnot. And then on offense, I uh, play quarterback or right receiver. So if we okay. needed a touchdown, I could switch yeah. to a wide receiver and just go up and get it. I bet you were nice out there. Yeah. You know, I think that's important because and I, and I, I've heard the rest of your story, and I know we're going to get into that. But, you know, as a parent, too, I know you have two daughters. Yep. And, uh, you know, the things that our children are taking in is mm -hmm. such a valuable thing that the parents need to have a handle on. Yeah. You know, I think social media now is that. I mean, you talk yeah. about those movies. I can remember uh, Beastie Boys in my life. Oh, you know, yeah. it's like, and I remember my dad saying, don't listen to that and mm -hmm. sneaking that. It just, it does send those messages um, that are not glorifying to God. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I always like, I always think with sports ministry is so powerful because hopefully at home they're getting some of that. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, and your story shares that, if we're not getting it home, hopefully there's a coach, mm -hmm. there's an athlete, there is a, uh, a youth pastor, somebody else that hopefully is giving them that same godly advice. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful, especially for young people. I mean, I know you have teenage daughters and, yeah. you know, I can just imagine you want other people around them. I know I have young kids and it's like, it's not only the stuff I'm telling them because they're going to stop listening to us yeah. at some point. We're that rock and that foundation, but having those other people around is, is so valuable and I think with cell phones and the easy access to stuff now we got to be careful as parents definitely yeah uh so what's something you do with your girls it's like hey i'm you know we, we're trying to i'm mean, getting shit not shelter too much but hey man there's there's you know it, it can be dangerous out there what do you do for them definitely well i mean for me kind of knowing both sides where it's the physical dangers and then also having now this spiritual sense and knowing that we have an adversary that really is you know, on the prowl, basically, you know, looking, seeking whom he, he may devour and, uh, you know, kill, steal, and destroy, basically. Uh -huh. So I'm watching and guarding in their life on both sides, that physical and spiritual aspect. Uh, but when you talk about social media, man, that was definitely something that I seen. Not only was it something that impacted in my life, because social media, that's where you're getting a lot of uh, your influences from, you know, in today. Um, for me, uh, not wanting to drink and smoke, you know, not wanting to go out and, uh, you know, have sex with different women and things like that, being married and having a family. But you're scrolling through in uh, Instagram and you're seeing even your friends posting pictures of girls that are half naked or posting pictures of smoking and drinking and all those kind of things, those influences and seeds are still being planted. Uh, and for my daughter, it was just like, you know, this is a no-no for sure. Like we're shutting this down early. Um, <laughs> Uh, with her getting into uh, middle school. So we homeschooled the girls. Um, okay. You know, when I was traveling for four years, I uh, was sponsored with Sprite, Nike, Red Bulls, traveling the world, um, you know, internationally, mm -hmm. and uh, winning dunk competitions, doing celebrity games, setting up events, different things like that. So I traveled probably 10 months out of the year nonstop. Wow. Um, fly in, you know, get home, be home for a day and a half, fly out, be gone for a couple weeks, come back, and just kind of in and out like that. 
And so we homeschooled our girls and we would take them around. So that was like the best thing I think that I did as a father was just, you know, financially I had to cover all of that. You know, they, they would cover my flight and my hotel, but I'd have to cover the, the family and the girls, you know. But having them with me to be able to train them and teach them and expose them to different cultures and just environments and things, I think that was kind of like the best time. Uh, but when she got to middle school, you know, it was like, that's when sports kind of starts taking serious, you know? Yeah. So putting her back into school in middle school, she was just exposed right away mm-hmm. to all of it. She'd come home and say, like, like, dang, these kids cuss like, you know, <laughs> cuss like crazy. And, oh, my gosh, what is this and what is that? Like, you know, beginning to ask those kind of questions of different things where you're just like, oh, my God, we got to go through this now. Mm-hmm. So that's when it was like, all right, let's sit down, you know. You know, mom and daddy's going to talk to you about this and that and the other. And so we had to have that. The, the birds and the bees conversation. Yeah. We had to have the conversations of all of that kind of stuff. And so it was kind of crazy, but shutting down the social media aspect with her wanting Snapchat and all yeah. that other stuff and just kind of explaining to her why it's not beneficial to her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she didn't understand. There were some arguments, you know, things at first. But I think with her, because we've ingrained God's word into her at a young age, when I'm able to talk to her on a spiritual level to be able to say, like, you know, okay, this this may not affect you, but when you drink this and put it into your body, the effects that can come out of that, whether it mentally or physically yeah. or emotionally, yeah. um, are going to have some effects down the road. Yeah. And when we're able to talk to her and explain things like that, it's just, it's beautiful. Her name is Uriah, and, uh, you know, that came from the Bible, but it, it, it means the light of God. And it's just so crazy to see, like, even how picking her name, like, how it kind of shapes her, her knowing her name. Uh, has shaped her in itself to to kind of be that light, you know, for her school and other things. So she's able to take that in and be like, okay, I understand it, you know. And, and yeah, I can't join in with everybody of, of being on Snapchat with the friends, but I understand uh, why it's beneficial for me to, to you know, stay away from that. That's great. That's great. I think parents need to hear that because we're, we're the only parents they have. And yeah. I think guiding them in that is the proper way to do it. We can't because at one point they're going to leave home. Yeah. It's like if we haven't prepared them, we can take that away. But again, I think the teaching and correcting and walking them through that path of how to, you know, how to handle the cell phone, yeah. how to handle the temptations in the school. And it's going to be hard, especially, you know, that, that teenage year, yeah. man, I, we, uh, we're not there yet, but I love talking to people that have been through it because it really kind of like, okay, here's some, some good advice and things you can, yeah. you can take through there. It, it's a, it's a major key. And because my parents were more so, you're not going to do this. Even though they're sitting there drinking, mm-hmm. they're telling me I'm not going to drink. Yeah. It's like that that saying, uh, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. Yeah. Uh, your actions are always going to speak louder than your words, yeah. no matter what. And so I've tried to you know, live a lifestyle um, you know, in home and outside. You know yeah. what I mean? There's, there's a, you hear the stories a lot of pastors or other players or people that represent God, you know, out in the public, but then have something that's happening before. And so I, I try my best to to live that righteous lifestyle in home so that yeah. way they see, you know, that it's not just a gimmick or an act, that this is well, I think, real life. Yeah, I definitely, I think too, the um, it's good for them to see us make mistakes. Oh yeah, for sure. Because how do we handle those mistakes yep. and even like apologizing to our kids, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, you know, I, I, I got quick with you. I, I raised my voice. I didn't want to do that with you. Um, so they can see like, how am I supposed to, when I messed up, yep. how do I, how do I handle that? I, th- I think that's, I think that's really powerful too. And, and we talked a lot this weekend in church, mm-hmm. getting to share with, with the church over here, uh, 
in Maui, but we, it was funny because uh, one of the panels mentioned being a drug problem mm -hmm. and getting drugged to church was their drug problem, yeah. drug to Bible studies, drug to, yeah, I love that term. But yeah. I think, again, same thing as a parent, like, yeah, the kids didn't like it at the time, but each, you know, I think you had a similar, a similar thing, but it's like, that is powerful. We have to be the parent. Yeah. And we know that we're planting those seeds and those things that are good for those kids because, you know, obviously they, they don't know what's good for themselves. Right, right. Uh, and but they think they do, though. Yes, of course. Like we we, all we can remember. Yep, yep. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. And uh, I'd love to hear more. I know you're the internet, you're in the International Slam Dunk Contest. And kind of how that journey began. I mean, because you are really the originator of the dunk guy and the person that's able to make a living off dunking. Um, we see people do it in the NBA, but that's a, that's another side of it. You've really kind of created this niche for you, kind of just how you fell into that. I know there's a little spiritual part of that for you and uh, just what that journey has been like. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I mean, just to start off, like I said, I had a dream uh, to become a professional athlete, you know, as a kid. And, uh, you know, the dream got sidetracked and all that, you know, so I didn't get to go the traditional route of, you know, balling out in high school, getting a college scholarship, going and playing. And then, you know, the dream of, you know, balling out in college and then getting drafted to the NBA. It's just, you know, I dropped out of high school at 15 years old. I didn't get to play. You know, that's still one of my biggest regrets in life. It's just, you know, not playing high school basketball, not getting to you know, lace the shoes up and go out there and hear your name called and your family and everybody coming out to watch. It's just, you know, that's just what it is. So I had a, a different route. And for me, it was like, I never gave up on the dream though. And so, um, you know, out of high school, out of college, mm -hmm. out of that whole situation, um, I began to fall in love with dunking. You know, even since, since I was a young kid, my dad bought me a hoop at 10 years old. It was one of those hoops that you could hit with the broomstick and then it would lower it yeah. down, you know? The only hoops I can dunk on. Yeah. <laughs> we, we lower it down to like seven feet and uh, we just have these dunk-offs, you know? And so, you know, friends from my neighborhood and everybody, we'd come and we'd be like, okay, I'm Michael Jordan, I'm Dominique, I'm this, that, and Spud Webb, and, you know, throwing down dunks. We'd have our yeah. own dunk competitions and whatnot. And then uh, Vince Carter in 2000, when he came and he, you know, you had the elbow, the 360 windmill between the legs, all those different dunks happening. Yeah. For me, it was just like, that changed the game. That opened it up to where it was just like, what new dunks can be done? And, uh, you know, that's when I started trying windmills and trying 360 windmills and just kind of going from there. Um, so at 17, I started winning like local dunk competitions, okay. uh, the three on three hoop it ups and things like that. And then, um, you know, at, uh, at 19, uh, I won the dunk competition, and then uh, it just so happened that Shaquille O'Neal's cousin was one of the judges there. And he told me after winning the contest, he said, yo, you know, Shaq is having a national dunk contest in L.A., and uh, I think you got what it takes to win it. Would you be interested in coming out? I was like, oh, for sure. Well, like, when is it? And yeah. he's like, it's tomorrow. And so I was like, oh, I'm down. So, you know, they flew me out there. Um, I landed straight off of the plane, LAX, get into the cab, shoot down to the court, get to the court. Competition is like already about to start. The guys are on the court warming up everything. And, um, you know, I get my shoes, my jersey, everything, and I'm putting it on, sitting down on the bench, watching them warm up. And uh, this is the first time that I've ever competed in anything outside of Arizona. When you're playing against guys that you know, like you're not intimidated by, but when you see, you know, guys that are six, 
five, six, ten, seven foot. Uh, one dude, his nickname was Seven and Some Change because that's how tall that fool was. Yeah. Seven <laughs> foot tall and some change. And it was uh, it was crazy just watching them. You know, they're dunking, they're slamming, they're shaking the backboard, slapping the glass, yelling. And uh, I always tell everybody, man, these, these guys were bigger than me. They were stronger than me and much uglier than me. And I was intimidated. I didn't even get up off of the bench, man, to warm up. Um, and I'm luckily I didn't have to go first because if they would have said, all right, Kenny Dobbs is up first, I would have just looked around like, who's Kenny Dobbs, you know? Uh, but um, I went to, I got to go fifth in that contest, and I got to see the guys get up and do the same dunks that I watched them do in warm-ups, and that's what kind of gave me the confidence to be like, all right, these guys aren't as good as I thought they were because no one's going to do the same dunks in warm-ups as they're going to do in the contest. So uh, I remember going up and throwing it off the glass, catching it, windmilling it, braids flying through the air. You know, for me at 6'3", um, you know, that's like seeing Steph Curry get up and do some kind of crazy yeah. dunk, you know. Yeah. So um, it was it was kind of poetry in motion, and, you know, I, I dunked it, and everybody went crazy. And I it, it, it literally felt like slow motion, like that Dave Chappelle episode when he's playing uh, against, um, uh, I think it was... Um, Prince or, or, or somebody, I forget, he's playing in that Dave Chappelle episode and he dunks it and, and, and Fritz comes down in slow motion and, and it just kind of felt like that, man, yeah. it was crazy yeah. and uh, I went on to win that competition and, uh, you know, when, when the video and everything came out, you know, people started hearing my name, uh, we dropped a, a video um, of just like all my dunks of me preparing for the competition mm -hmm. and uh, that video just went viral, you know, like overnight YouTube sensation, uh, millions of views. And uh, I got a call from Sprite, and uh, a week later, I was on tour with Sprite. So that's kind of what kicked it all off. Um, but I begin to, like anybody, you know, you become a student of the game. So I started looking into what everyone else was doing. Oh, I didn't know there was a, a dunk community, you know, or anything like that happening. Um, and way back in, in uh, overseas, in, uh, in France and in Europe and places like that, there was a guy named Kador Ziani. Who, uh, who I consider like the, 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 the godfather of dunking. Uh, he was going out and they were organizing these dunk shows and they were competing and doing different things out there. And uh, he had a crew of like three or four guys that were just doing amazing dunks. And uh, NBA players, when they would travel out there, you know, they would put on games and shows and things. And so when I seen that, that's what it was like for me. It was like, wow, like that's amazing that they're showcasing their talent and they're putting on those shows. Well, I had already changed my life and I had already began speaking in churches. I began, you know, doing music and performing and I already had um, kind of like a sense of organization to put on events. And so what I did then is I combined my speaking ability with my basketball dunking talent. And that's why I kind of created, uh, you know, a dunk show presentation and things like that. Yeah. So I used the dunking ability to draw people in. There, I was able to share my testimony, my story of what God had done for yeah. me in my life. So that's, that's kind cool. of what was the creation of it all. Uh, but going forward, um, I knew that no one's going to want to see me dunk unless I dominate the game first, you know. And in the Bible, we're called to be the head and not the tail. So I, I began training and I said, okay, these guys are the guys that I can see that are out there that are doing it. I want to be the best. In order to be the best, I got to beat each one of those guys. And so we dropped a video that, you know, the underlying theme of the video was anything you can do, I can do better. And so I took that beat and we sampled it. And on that video, I'm just doing 
all the dunks that I've seen other people do, but just with my own twist, my own flair, my own style. And then plus, I begin to combine people's dunks. So if your best dunk was a 360 and uh, his best dunk was a between the legs, then I was going 360 between the legs. Or, and I was doing it the reverse way to make it harder. Or I was jumping over people or, you know, whatever the case would be. Yeah. So that's kind of what made it go viral that, you know, doing something that no one else had seen before. And then going into the contest... I was studying my opponent like a good boxer. You know, now I know what your best punches are, and I'm ready to counter that and you know and dominate yeah. you in the fight with more power punches. I think it's great for people to hear that. Like you took that serious. This is a job. I'm going after it. I'm oh, gonna yeah. work hard. I'm setting goals. I think we can see. You know, you see somebody on a video, or you just think, oh, this just happens. Yeah. And I think we lose sight of you know, oh man, that guy can jump. God just gave him that ability. Now. No doubt, God gave you some. some there was jump, definitely some a talent that God gave me, but it took a lot yeah, of hard work. Absolutely, I just don't want people to, to glance over that. I think mm -hmm. that I mean any any athlete, you know, that's gonna. Some people are more blessed. I mean, you can't make yourself seven feet tall. Right. You can't give yourself, you know, the the hops that you have. But God's given all of us yeah. those talents, and and we're to to work towards that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think we can. People get discouraged. They see this guy. Oh, he can do that, or he can do that. You know, it's like you forget all the work that goes into that. We right. we we watch the. We watch the ball go in. We don't think about the backside, the, mm -hmm. the, the backside story. So yeah, like uh, uh, Muhammad Ali said something like, you know, he you're celebrated in the ring when the lights are on, but the champions are made outside the ring when no one's watching. Yeah, and that's kind of how I approached everything. Um, you know, even how I shared it at the uh, at the panel uh, when we did the interviews. It's like you know, my training. Normal people are going in and training for their game. And like thinking, oh, my game's on Sunday, I'm going to work out, I'm going to train myself. And for me, I was training like unto God. Like, you know, so when times got hard and other people would kind of slack off on their last set, um, me, it's like God is watching nonstop. And I am a soldier of Christ, basically. Like I'm on God's team. I, I got to be the point guard out here. And so I put that pressure on myself to push harder. And that, that kind of transformed my training. It wasn't just about a physical training. There was a spiritual, mental, and emotional uh, and training that was also taking place during yeah. that and I think yeah. that's what gave me that edge uh, You know to be able to go out and dominate and become the best. Yeah, that's awesome So let, this is a, a great segue for you to kind of share I know you had basketball dreams of, mm -hmm. of the NBA and then what God has done with your legs and then I think uh, Just kind of the way God used obviously your talents and moving that into that dunking thing because that wasn't a thing like kids I'm gonna be no, a dunker yeah. when I get older. Yeah, so kind of just share how, how God's used use that transition to obviously open up this platform. Yeah, so, you know, like I said before, my goal was to become a professional athlete. I wanted to get drafted to the NBA, and uh, because of the negative choices that I made, that path just wasn't open to me. Um, but it wasn't something that I gave up on. You know, I put my trust in God, and uh, when, I, when I gave my life to Christ, uh, immediately I wanted to do something for His kingdom. I wanted to help build. I wanted to share that message and uh, I thought it was going to be through music because all throughout high school, man, that's, oh, we would just smoke weed, freestyle, make beats, like do that kind of thing. And that was like our life. And so for me, I had a passion for music and I thought God was going to use that passion now and refine it and purify it and uh, do, it for, do it for him to help draw people in. Um, but God had other plans, you know, and uh, in the same sense of me becoming a professional basketball player. I always thought, you know, you see Steph Curry, he makes the big shot, he gets the interview, he's able to give glory to God at that point. Um, you know, I know for a fact, if, if I just would have made it, 
you know, there's there's no telling if I would have been a Steph Curry or not. You know, maybe I just would have been a bench player. Maybe I would have been the guy that they let in, you know, the last couple minutes of the game that, you know, hits a shot or gets a freestyle dunk, you know, fast, on the fast break. Um, you know, and maybe I get to glorify God, you know, when I'm interviewed. Um, but God did something even more amazing is he created uh, my own platform. He allowed me to use that creativity that he's given us all. You know, he's given us this way of thinking of, of, of life, not only to be able to make money and provide for yourself, but a way to impact people and draw them closer to you. And uh, with dunking, that was just something that uh, I gave to God and he gave me a platform and allowed me to multiply that and gave me the creativity to try to figure out uh, the best way to do it. And I know if I would have just stuck with music, I doubt I would have had an international platform. You know, I doubt I would have had the millions of views and all the kind of stuff like that. But now if I decide to do music, you know, there's there's millions of people that have heard of the name Kenny Dobbs. Yeah. And now, you know, maybe interested in hearing what I got to say lyrically. Um, so it was just God's way was so much bigger than my own. Yeah. Even me playing basketball, I would have never been this big name that everybody would have known. Yeah. You know, you see it a lot when they interview LeBron or Kobe or somebody and they ask them, you know, hey, uh, the new guy you guys are playing against, how do you feel like you're, and, the, and then they're like, who? Yeah. You know, they act like they don't know him <laughs> and things like that, you know what I mean? Um, you ask somebody about Kenny Dobbs now, and even in the NBA, you know, they, they, they know the dunk legend or the dunk king or whatever they call, you know, different guys call me different names yeah. or whatever. Uh, the dunk OG or whatever it is, man, it's just... <laughs> Uh, it, it's just crazy to see that, you know, these guys in the NBA have been impacted and seen the videos and seen the ability that God has given me in the platform that we've created. Yeah. And, and just to have the respect, man, I, I look up to LeBron and Kevin Durant and Kobe and those guys. And, you know, after winning the Sprite um, showdown for M NBA All-Star Weekend, man, Kobe came out and, like, congratulated me and, yeah. you know, walked by everyone else and, like, just came straight up to me and, and, and told me, uh, it, it was just amazing, you know, and yes. to, to have somebody like that and LeBron and those guys tell you uh, those kind of things. It's just it's so humbling because those are the players that you're looking up to. And, uh, you know, they, they they said that that was the best slam dunk performance they had ever seen since Vince Carter. Nice. And that was just I think that's the ultimate, ultimate um, compliment that I had you know received. And then with meeting Vince Carter and I'm like, you know, what's up, Vince? Yeah. Man, my, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm Kenny Dunn. I'm like, I know who you are. Yeah. You know, and him already seeing and knowing that. And I'm like, man, you're the greatest dunker of all time. Yeah. And he's, you know, no, you're the greatest dunker. Uh, you know, I'm like, that cool. kind of thing is just, yeah. wow. You know, I was just so humbled by all of that. Um, so to just to know that dunking before was never a thing. Mm -hmm. You couldn't make money off of dunking. It's either you play basketball and you enter the NBA dunk contest and, and that was it. Um, but we've now created our own lane, our own market. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I give God glory for just allowing uh, me to have a hand in creating that market that provided for so many other people. Yeah. And all the sacrifices of time and hours in the gym that were spent and gaining that attention to where now you have TV shows like TNT and, you know, uh, Slam Magazine and all these other places that are now covering. And you have NBA players, you know, Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, recognizing dunking as a profession, yeah. and you actually have professional dunkers now, which is just crazy. Yeah, that's really neat. The uh, I don't want to lose sight of, you know, uh, God was preparing you for that. 
For sure. You know, and I think we, oh, it just, it just happened. It just, you know, but I think when you, we submit to God, and I think it would be great for you to share the, the kind of the, the other side of your testimony. Obviously, we heard, you know, the, the tough lifestyle and the, and the drugs and the, the gangs and things that you were around. But I think when you submitted to God, some doors opened that you, didn't, you wouldn't even think about. Right. I think that is a valuable part of what we need to be doing uh, as followers of Christ, mm -hmm. you know, opening up. So, yeah, share, share a little how that, you know, when you made that transformation, I know with your family and yeah, your mom definitely. and dad, like that's a, that's a powerful thing for people to hear. Well, I mean, uh, it, it, started, it started with, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I had those negative influences. I had that negative environment that I was growing up into. But one of my earliest childhood memories was, you know, I was asleep on the living room floor and I woke up to the sound of glass breaking. And as I look at the door, I see somebody's hand reaching in to unlock the door. So someone was breaking into my house. I, uh, I sprint down to the hallway to wake up my dad, tell him someone's breaking in. And by the time I make it around the hallway, I see my dad wrestling with a guy and I just see a gun waving in the air as he's holding him there. And uh, my dad sees me and he yells to me to go grab his shotgun. And as a kid, I grew up hunting and shooting with my dad. So, you know, carrying a gun, using a gun, loading a gun, you know, I was already very familiar at a very young age. And I was about eight years old at that time. And I remember, you know, pointing it at the guy as I come around, just waiting for my dad to tell me to shoot. And, you know, luckily it, it, I didn't have to shoot. And, you know, once the guy seen that, you know, they, they, they ran off and whatnot. Um, I just thought, man, we live in a bad neighborhood. This is what happens. But my mom knew the truth. And the truth of the situation was, is that was a drug deal that had gone wrong. And uh, that was a real tipping point for her. She decided at that point that she no longer wanted to be involved with drugs and, you know, that whole lifestyle of alcohol and having my dad using drugs and selling drugs and whatnot. So she gave him an ultimatum. She said, you either change your life or you're going to lose your family. And at that point is when they separated. And, you know, I had to visit my dad over here, my mom over here. And at a young age, man, just being so frustrated and angry and not having anybody to talk to and not knowing how to communicate my feelings. Um, I began to get into a lot of trouble at school and, you know, just stopped caring about my academics, uh, started to get into a lot of fights at school and, um, you know, just really a lot of anger towards my mom, you know, like I, to me at that young age, she was the one to blame. She's the one that kicked my dad out and, you know, that whole thing. I didn't realize uh, the bigger picture. Um, but as time went by, you know, uh, when my dad seen that she had the car packed up and was like, this was it. She's leaving, not coming back. Uh, you know, I think that's when it really hit him that you know, I'm about to lose my family. And so, you know, out of desperation, he made that decision to give up the drugs and alcohol and uh, to keep his family together. And, you know, as you've seen over here, man, you know, I had my whole family out with me in Maui for the first time. Um, you know, my mom and dad are still together to this day. So that was like that seed that got planted in my heart, you know, seeing my mom give her life to God, seeing my aunts and uncles slowly one by one coming to Christ. Uh, and then seeing my dad, you know, for the first time, lift his hands up and uh, receive Christ. And, you know, that kind of thing was all the seeds being planted. But uh, for myself, I wasn't ready to make that change. I wasn't ready, you know. Now I'm getting my butt drugged to church, just like we were saying yeah. before, you know. Um, I'm being drugged to church on Sunday mornings when I used to stay home with my dad and watch football while my mom went to church. Now it's like we all got to go. So... Um, you know, at that, at that time, I'm still, I'm using drugs and, and I'm selling drugs and, you know, I'm into my teenage years, but we're still being put in church, you know, so I'm hearing that message 
uh, even though I'm not listening, you know, like God's word says is that when, when that word goes out, it never comes back void. And, and so uh, it was being planted into my heart. Um, but like I said, when I dropped out of high school at 15 years old and me and my dad got into a physical fist fight, mm. um, that was when I got kicked out of my home. Now I didn't have my parents telling me what to do. I dropped out of high school and uh, it just it just got worse. You know, I moved from marijuana to cocaine to methamphetamines. And, you know, I was beginning to rob people. I was beginning to break into people's cars, break into people's homes, um, you know, made the news for robberies that were happening around. And to me, it was like so much outside of my character to begin doing those things, you know. Um, but because of the need for, for money and, you know, drugs and supporting your own habits and partying and things like that, it was, I was willing to do anything and everything just to, to, to provide for myself with the desires of, of my flesh, basically. Um, up until the time I was about 17 and a half years old, uh, me and three of my friends had got, had got caught. And, um... I got away, but they had they had got caught. And in the streets, you're always taught that you don't snitch, you don't rat on your homies. And you know, the next morning, I was being waken up and uh, arrested, and I had no clue how they had found me um, until they told me, you know, your friends had turned you in, told you, you know, told us your name, what you looked like, where to find you. And uh, sitting in that jail cell, man, it, that's what really broke the mold for me is realizing that you know I was taught that the streets, that this, your neighborhood, your, your family would have your back. And uh, I had turned my back on my true blood, my, my, my parents, my family, and turned my back on God. And, um, you know, it was at that time that I realized all the choices that I was making that I was now beginning to reap the consequences for that. And um, in that jail cell is when I hit my knees for the first time and I cried out to God and I begged him for a second chance and I made a promise and a commitment that if he can get me out of that situation that I would change my life. Uh, they were going to try me as an adult and I was looking at six to nine years in prison. And, you know, my pride as a young man first was like, okay, I can handle six to nine years. Uh, but then I started to think, well, what if somebody tries to test me? What if they try to, you know, disrespect me? You know, and things like that that you've seen in all the prison movies, you know, and I'm like, you know, you got to fight. And what if somebody pulls out a shank and tries to hit you and now you take it from them and get them before they got you and now you just committed murder? You think you're going to get off easy or you're going to get more time? And I'm like, you know, I had to deal with all these things spinning through my head in a short amount of time that I was realizing that if I go into prison, I may never get out. And then I started thinking, how is that going to impact my grandmother, my cousins, my younger sister, my family? And so that's when I was like, you know what, this is it. I need to make this change. Because my dad always told me that my life would either end up either dead or in jail. And he was right, you know. And so that's the point that I, for the first time, uh, cried out to God. And from what I had heard in church, that God would never leave you or forsake you, that, you know, he's waiting with open arms, and that if you just choose to believe that he sent his son Christ to die for your sins, and you put your faith in that, and you make that decision to repent of the things you were doing and turn away from that, that you would be saved. And I knew that I had done that that day. And uh, my prayer to God uh, would soon be answered. Because fast forward, now I'm sitting in the courtroom. And uh, it just, a miraculous thing happened. The witness for the crime didn't show up. Um, and the arresting officers had made some mistakes. They didn't file paperwork correctly. My three friends took responsibility for their own actions. And just with all of that falling into my favor, the judge was forced to, to let me go. 
Uh, I had to pay over $8,000 in fines mm-hmm. for the helicopter chase and damaged property and things like that. So I didn't get off you know, completely free. I still had some consequences I was going to have to pay for. Uh, but when my attorney looked at me and said, man, it's a miracle that you're not going to prison right now. Uh, just that word miracle associated with me with God. And it like sucked me back in time when I was sitting on that jail cell on my knees, crying out to God, begging him for a second chance that if he got me out of the situation, I would change my life. And so since that day, man, I've been on this path right now and it hasn't been easy. And I, and I, and, you know, to be honest, it hasn't, I haven't been perfect. You know, even after that, I had fell back into sin, fell back into alcohol or drugs or, you know, used um, since that point. But the crazy thing is, is that now as I did those things, I was convicted within my spirit, um, you know, and, and it allowed me to see that I gave this lifestyle up. It no longer had the same thrill that it used to have. You know, it was no longer, it was now something that when I did it, it kind of cringed, you know. And so I didn't want that feeling. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that the Bible talks about. And so it took away the desire from me. And uh, it was it, it made it easier as it went to, to give those things up. And, Man. you know, to this day, I'm drug and alcohol free. Awesome. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Yes, so powerful. So powerful. I think for any young person, you know, there. and I think you spoke on it. I don't know if you, you use the word consequences. There's consequences for things that we do. Yeah. Um, you know, but finding God and then, you know, obviously what you've been able to do with basketball and the gifts that God has given you, just amazing. So we always like to, to ask, and I think especially coming, you know, I, I know your, your dad's powerful, but... After you found the Lord, you know, and trying to get right with God, who was, was there somebody in your life that was there kind of lifting you up, discipling, kind of guiding you in that, in that path to, to be closer with God? Yeah, you know, like I said, seeing my dad give up that lifestyle for his family, seeing my dad come to Christ, that was, that was big, but it didn't make me turn. You know, my oldest cousin, uh, I'm the second oldest of the grandchildren. And so, uh, you know, he was involved with gangs and involved with drugs. I mean, I, how he walked and talked and dressed, I wanted to be just like him, you know. And uh, he ended up passing away at 19 years old. Before he passed away, he gave his life to Christ 100%. And he began going to discipleship meetings. And I remember he challenged me to come to one of the discipleship meetings. And as I came, that's when another seed was planted in my life that you know what, God has a bigger plan, purpose, and destiny for my life, and that I'm wasting it out here, and, um, you know, he challenged me to get it right, it was just as simple as that, you know, get your life right, and I knew exactly what he meant by that, and what areas were out of order in my life, Mm -hmm. Um, and then he passed away at 19, and that made me the oldest of all the grandchildren, so the realization of now I'm the leader that everyone's looking up to, that was another thing that for me, was a turning point, but throughout my life, uh, the the biggest influence I had that was living right for God, that had turned away from their sins, that was you know athletic and you know pushing me towards sport was my uncle Alex. Man, my, my Theo Alex was always there for me. Um, you know, when me and my dad were bumping heads, you know, uh, my Theo Alex would step in and and, and be able to bring. Um, some clarity to the situation and help me see where I was wrong when I'm thinking my dad is the problem my uncle was Mm -hmm. like well did you do this or did you do that or could you have done this better or whatnot so he was always there to kind of mold me and shape me um, you know physically and spiritually but he was also there the one that was pushing me uh, with basketball so him and I whenever he would come over 
you know, it would be, you know, uh, and as soon as he walks in the door, boom, I'm attacking him. You know, we're fighting and wrestling and things like that. But he'd take me into the backyard and we'd play one on one. He'd never let me win, and he would just dominate me. Yeah. And then, you know, as years went on, I'd score one or two points, you know, and then he started physically, you know, bumping me and, you know, putting more pressure on me. And that's the kind of stuff that we, you know, that makes you better. Yeah. Uh, but not only did he push me on the basketball court, but he pushed me, you know, in life and, as well. And he challenged me spiritually. And, you know, having my uncle come out here to Maui and just be able to share in all this experience with us today, it was just, it was, it was amazing. That's really cool. Well, yeah. it sounds like he, he could speak into your life. Definitely. You know, and I think we, we have to have people around us that can speak in our life, especially that are going to be speaking things that are God-honoring. Yep. You know, we surround ourselves with who we surrounded ourselves with. I know with my kids all the time, like, who are the friends you're making? Are they making good choices? Yeah. You know, are they making choices that are going to be honoring God? And I think that that's such a powerful thing that we can veer off and someone's going to say, hey, come on. You know, and that they, 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 they have that powerful, powerful voice into your life. It's, yeah. a, it's a really powerful thing. So tell us what's, what's been a couple of the coolest things that you've gotten to experience with traveling the world. I know you, you travel all the time. You get, you, get to, you get to meet people and have been involved in, obviously, with uh, you know, a lot of celebrities and different things. But what are a couple of just the really cool things from, from being a slam dunk international travel dunk guy? <laughs> um, well, shoot, man. You know, obviously, meeting all the cool NBA players, you know, I've pretty much met all the all-star players uh, for the past 10 years. Um, you know, and getting, like I mentioned, you know, having your favorite player recognize you, you know, know you by name or call you, you know, the dunk legend or whatever the case would be. Uh, that's all cool stuff. But I mean, honestly, to me, the best part is, is being able to have the opportunity to travel and bring my family along with me. Um, coming out here was probably my most amazing trip ever. Yeah. Uh, my mom, dad, grandmother, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, yeah. my daughters, my wife, everybody came out for this trip. And uh, this was just an amazing experience. But, um, you know, traveling to places like Africa, Europe, Asia, um, Paris, you know, seeing all these things that you've seen in the books growing up, you know, kind of like, man, one day I want to go there. And now, you know, here we are uh, being able to see all those places that you never dreamed about going to. Yeah. So, you know, that stuff is pretty amazing. Um, I think. The next place I'm going to that's kind of like from my bucket list is uh, I'll be traveling to Brazil. I'll be going with, uh, with Hope Chapel and Pastor Ben. Okay. We're going to be doing a cool, a cool, cool uh, ministry trip okay. out there to Brazil. So I'll be performing and uh, throwing down some dunks yeah. and running a basketball camp. But the cool thing is that we're using that to draw all those mm -hmm. locals in to yeah. be able to hear that testimony and about the power of God and how... You know, he can impact their life as well. Sports is amazing for that. I mean, just as a ministry opportunity, because people, it's part of our culture. It's popular. Mm -hmm. It's it's around. You can't get away from it. I mean, you just think of all the money involved in these contracts. Oh, yeah. You know, just that we're speaking about basketball. I mean, it is, it's it's worldwide, and people want to be about it. And the fact that you're able to use that and then share the gospel. And yeah. I know you're great speaking with the kids and giving that message, that testimony. It's it's so powerful. We we got to use. We love sports, man. We got to use it for the for the kingdom. I love I love how you're doing that. Yeah. Your message is powerful, and you can just see God working in each of that. You know, each part of your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, for anybody watching, I mean, there God's right now. 
he's doing something. You know, it's that everyday obedience to follow him, and God's going to use amazing things. You might not be, you might not be the slam dunk, con, you know, winner, but the, God's going to do something with you and the, the gifts He's given you. For sure. Tell us about this. Uh, I thought this was really neat. So uh, it's an NBA 2K, right? Yeah. So the people got to know. People got to know for anyone playing NBA 2K. Yeah, man, it was uh, you know just an amazing experience. Like I said, I never. I never thought I would have these opportunities. Uh, you know, I, I became like the first Nike athlete to get signed outside of the NBA. Nike just never sponsored or endorsed any other athletes that weren't professional athletes. And I became the first dunker to get, you know, sponsored and endorsed with Nike. Um, another cool thing was uh, the video game that I love to play, you know, NBA 2K uh, reached out to me. And, uh, you know, asked if I would like to come out there to be a motion capture athlete. And I went out there and spent a week, man, just throwing down every possible dunk you could think of. And uh, they took all the body movements. You know, they put you in a tight suit with all these sensors and cameras all over. And, you know, you're just doing all the crazy dunks from LeBron James signature dunk, you know, to Michael Jordan. Uh, to your own signature package, you know. So my dunks of going between the legs over people or under both legs or behind the back, you know, all of those dunks got put into the game. And, you know, you're playing the dunk contest or you're doing a dunk with West, uh, Westbrook in the game, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just like, oh, that's my body movement. Like, you can tell that that's you. So yeah. it's just a pretty cool experience uh, to be put in a video game like that and have that opportunity, yeah. uh, you know, just a, a childhood dream to be able to come true. It's just amazing uh, to be able to say that, you know, my goal for my life was this direction and God took his will for my life and just made it so much bigger. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we have a problem putting our trust in the Lord enough to be able to say, okay, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. Uh, God's plan, I could tell you 100% is always bigger and better than your own. Yeah. And so that's, you know, when they asked me what my favorite scripture was, I always said, you know, Isaiah 40, 31 is those who put their trust in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles. And, you know, ever since that day I put my trust in God, I've been flying, man. So yeah, it's been well, you fly for sure. I think the only way the rest of us are going to dunk like you is we got to play NBA 2K. <laughs> That's great. I, I know you've I've heard you share that verse before. And uh, actually on our club basketball uniforms at Shepherd, we actually have the verse on the side of the shorts. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so that's, the, that's the same verse we use. Awesome. What, what, a great, what a great verse for you. So if you just had a minute just to kind of, you, you're sharing, sharing with, with people that, that love to watch you dunk and, and are watching right now, what, what's, what's the thing from your heart that you want to you share? Man, for those of you that are watching, I would, I would just say uh, a challenge. You know, I always, always leave um, every single camp, every single speaking engagement with a challenge to my audience. And uh, the challenge is, 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 is three keys, man. It's that you, number one, that you would take your goals and dreams out of your mind. Every successful person, I mean, you're talking about multimillionaires. Every single one of them has this one thing in common. They stopped thinking about making something happen and they put it down on paper. They created a plan of action. Um, a dream that is just left in your mind, is, it's, it's just a wish. You're hoping to make it happen one day. But when you take that dream out of your mind and put it down on paper, now you have a goal that's set with a plan of action on how you're going to get there. So, you know, number one is that you take your dreams out of your mind, create your own dream journal, put it on your phone, whatever the case would be, but take those dreams, put it down on paper, create your plan of action so you know what steps you're going to take to be able to accomplish those dreams. Uh, and the next thing is, is that you see yourself as a leader. 
It wasn't until I seen myself as a leader that I stopped following the footsteps of this world, whether it was, you know, to drugs and alcohol, partying, or whatever the case would be. I seen myself as a leader for myself and my family, and I began to rise up and set a path that I felt I would be proud to have my family follow after. And when I stepped up as a leader for myself and went back to school and I graduated, got my high school diploma and walked on, got a full scholarship for basketball. You know, as a leader, I sacrificed time to be able to make that happen. I gave up the parties, the drugs, the video games of playing back then in my teenage years. I sacrificed time and I set those goals and I made it happen. That path that I carved out as a leader, every single one of my family members from this point on has all graduated from high school and went on to college. And so, you know, blaze that trail for your family. Be that leader that they can look up to. And uh, number three, man, last but not least, is, is put God first in your life. Realize that we have a creator that has given you a plan, purpose, and destiny for your life. We didn't, we didn't come from monkeys and evolve into what we are today, you know. Uh, when I was growing up, that was still being taught in school. And it's just crazy to see, um, you know, how the world would want you to believe that you're here by accident. But the truth of the matter is, is that we have a God, we have a creator who has created this world and created you with a plan, purpose, and destiny for your life. And the sooner you can tap into that true source of life, the better you're going to be with your life to making the impact and living your calling. So man, that's it, man. That's a great word. You got to, I just, man, prayers up for you. I, I hope we can all just, just send a prayer up that you would just continue just bringing that message everywhere you go. It's, it's a powerful thing. Um, so before we leave, mm -hmm. we always like to ask our guests uh, to turn us on to someone else in your world that you know that is uh, that's playing for eternity and living for God, and we want to oh, yeah. we want to try to get get them on the show. So who do you got for us? Man, you know, a lot of people kind of came to mind when you first told me that, uh, but I think right now it, the, the the person that I'm being inspired by the most is uh, a friend of mine, a brother of mine in Christ uh, that has grown up in the same area that I grew up in, in the Maryville district, and has went on to just accomplish some amazing things. Not only did he become an Olympic gold wrestler, he won the Olympics, and now he's a two-time champion in the UFC. Henry Cejudo, man, we're gonna nominate you. You gotta come on the show, man. Me and my boy Josh are doing incredible things out in California with the ministry and this platform and this podcast. So I pray and I hope that uh, Henry accept the challenge. All right, Henry, we're coming for you, baby. Yes, sir, man. Well, man, Kenny, thanks so much. It's right, so bro. good to have you on the show. Yes, sir. And uh, best of luck to you, man. All right, thank you, guys. All right, God bless you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Eternity Sports or to join the challenge of putting God first in your game, visit us at eternitysports.com.